0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's feature is sort of comedies. That's high spirits and nothing but trouble. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at mndriveinpod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
1: Yeah, there does need to be a better word for cannibal-like behavior when you're not the same species as the thing you're eating.
2: Mm. I don't know, as humans, we just call that food.
3: Yeah, but I mean... We're talking again sentient species I think is the problem yeah yeah okay if if tomorrow they unveil that dolphins are completely sentient and like have have not just like a remote understanding but like a complete understanding of the world around them and all that kind of stuff
2: then Noah's gonna be like, I want to eat that dolphin
3: yeah yeah we're gonna have I to did, we're gonna have I did to-
2: one two before but now I do.
3: Uh, I mean, we're already a little leery on it, but at that point, we're going to have to go to Japan and be like, "Okay, you guys got to stop." <laughs> are they eating dolphins in Japan?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I
2: don't. Yeah, they're not good. Uh, they're not good. This, despite did
1: the fact did you say they're, they're not good, like Japanese people aren't good. Is that what you're saying?
2: Uh, the people who slaughter uh, dolphins purposefully. Yes. I
3: was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say when it comes to sea life, the Japanese are not good. Not I'm not saying in general they're bad people. I'm saying that specifically when it comes to sea life <laughs> they are a giant fucking wrecking ball.
2: Yeah. Watch the documentary of the Cove where they just trap dolphins in a cove and then slaughter them, a giant group.
3: Are they eating them?
2: Yeah. Are they taking You're, them? They're, they're, they're
3: eating them despite the fact that dolphins have a humongous concentration of mercury in them like there's more than one reason not to eat them and one of the reasons is it's slowly fucking poisoning you to death yeah
1: but a lot of stuff we eat is slowly poisoning us to death
3: I think I think there's a difference between stuff that's like bad for you and and stuff that is literally driving you <laughs> into the grave it's close
2: mm, mercury yummy
1: <laughs> and we're already here
2: Yep.
1: We already had a discussion of Mercury.
2: <laughs> yeah, we were talking about something else, but then Noah started talking about a term for cannibalism when you're eating another species, and I'm like, this is pure gold. We can not let this go to waste.
1: <laughs> it is an interesting topic of discussion. Does there need to be a word for that? Not so much in our own world, but in cinematic universes where there are multiple known species that are sentient. And then you get into a whole debate over what is sentient because we know in the Star Wars universe that the Jedi don't recognize something as intelligent even if it can speak necessarily, right? So where would, where is the line? How do you determine? And who is in charge of that? Oh, yeah. Androids are clearly sentient and they're slaves. Yes. And then the question then becomes also like, it does how flavorful something is factor into whether you determine it to be sentient or not? Ooh. Because if something tastes really good, <laughs> but it's really intelligent. I think we'd probably make a little bit of an exception.
2: Ooh. My general rule is, if it can plead for its life, probably better not to. Uh, better not. Better not eat it.
3: Which segues into the discussion of the hitchhiker, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy animal, where they breed a animal that is not just perfectly delicious but intelligent enough to tell you that it's delicious and and desires to be eaten they've bred them to want to be eaten I like to assume all animals want to be
1: eaten makes me feel a little bit better about it
2: <laughs> make you feel better make you sleep better at night
1: like if pigs could talk they'd be like cure that part of me
3: until it tastes delicious, and I'd be like, "You're right. I want some bacon." Thank you, Mister Pig.
2: <laughs>
3: we want every country to call a different piece of us bacon.
2: <sighs> yeah, you damn Canadians and your Canadian bacon.
1: It's it's such a strange thing because
2: I it's, it's ham. It's ham. I tell you.
1: When I go to the store, I don't see Canadian bacon. I see bacon, and it's the same stuff you guys call bacon. I see pea meal bacon. That's not what you're talking about. Wait, what? It's not. P-Mill? P-Mill bacon. What is that? That sounds terrible. It's a, I don't know, it's a type of bacon product. It's P-Mill. I don't know. I actually have no idea what P-Mill bacon is. Like, if I see it, I'll recognize it. If I taste it, I'll know what it is, but I have no idea what
2: is. P-Mill? Yeah. Like, P-E-M-I-L-L?
3: P-E-M-E-A-L-L.
2: This bacon mm.
1: <laughs> the we you know <laughs> this, about, is what going, this is what we're doing now we're googling types of bacon oh we're uh, dying on
3: this hill
2: it's a type of back bacon made from lean boneless pork loin trimmed fine wet cured and rolled in cornmeal yeah. it's not smoked and development is credited to Toronto Ontario ham and bacon cure William Davies
3: oh, look at that. Just, all that sounds strange the best part of the bacon is the fatty bit of the bacon why would you want lean bacon
2: Uh, the name pea meal bacon derives from the historic practice of rolling the cured and trimmed boneless loin in dried and ground yellow peas to extend shelf life since the end of world war ii it's been rolled in ground yellow cornmeal
3: (laughs) of course course it is because corn fucking has destroyed (laughs) all other food corn has just taken over the world that's all Surprised we don't have some corn-based horror films to talk about on one of our shows. I actually, actually watched an entire documentary the other day about corn and how corns basically destroyed the entire world. Hey, hey, hey the what you're watching section comes later. Don't get off topic. <laughs>
2: this
1: is this is our our foods of the world section, okay?
3: Our movie review podcast. <laughs> remember when this used to be about movies? Now we will talk about balut, which is a chick cooked inside of an egg. Gross. It's not as bad as you think it would be. Oh,
2: no, it sounds gross.
3: Yeah, it's. Although, if you're a texture person, it's not, not going to work out for you. Bull. So, you
1: gotta, No, no why don't you just tell us what High Spirits was about so we can move on away from this fucking gross topic that you're dragging us into? Uh, High Spirits! <laughs>
3: That's where we're at. It's just, there's just their segues are out the fucking window. It, it's our first movie, uh, which a lot of uh, an oddly huge amount of people have never seen, with a great fucking cast.
2: It is insane.
3: Yeah. It's really, really good. Got Liam Neeson in there and shit. All them all them peeps. Uh it is about a, a guy who is running a in slash castle kind of place. yeah. <laughs> uh, which is going out of business and he owes a great deal of money and he's trying to come up with an idea to save it. Uh, his mom is obsessed with the fact that the place has ghosts. So he comes up with the genius idea of faking ghosts to uh, entertain dumb American tourists, which is a, really a pretty fucking good plan. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I like when they came up with the
1: idea. I'm sort of like, I would go to a place that did that. <laughs> yeah, I would go if I knew they were fake.
3: Yeah, as long as they did it well. Yeah. So they set forth their plan. Uh, the goot shows up <laughs> with his super super bitchy wife slash girlfriend. Do they ever actually establish what it is? are they married?
2: I'm uh, wife, sure married. Yeah. Yeah by Beverly uh, D'Angelo of uh, Vacation Movies fame.
3: Yep. Uh, a, a skanky uh, uh, Tilly. Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> a priest. This sounds like the setup for a weird joke. He's not uh, a priest And yet. a <laughs> <laughs> family <laughs> uh, and a paranormal investigator, right? So at at first, the movie's all about hilarious shenanigans of these people trying to fake the haunting and doing a just just fucking shit job through no fault of their own. I'd say they actually like come up with pretty elaborate setups to do this stuff, and just everybody's so dumb and oblivious they don't notice any of it. (laughs) Uh, Of course, things come to a head. They all decide to leave. But before they can, we find out real ghosts! <laughs> Steve, Steve Gutenberg falls in love with a ghost. The only rule is don't have sex with a ghost. So he has sex with the ghost. Uh,
2: I believe it's called tupping.
3: Tuffing, yes. They have a lot of weird ghost terminology for weird <laughs> sexual ghost things. Well,
1: you know, a lot of movies hadn't addressed that in the past, so you had to kind of
3: come up with your own words. At the same time, his bitchy wife gets a uh, a hard-on for Liam Neeson ghost.
2: Which is weird, since he's basically just actually harassing her the entire time. Yeah, pretty much.
3: The owner of the inn makes up with his dad ghost. And uh, in the end, everybody's pretty uh, pretty... Better off than they were before. For the most part. (laughs) Jennifer Tilly bangs a priest. (laughs) Makes him give up his his chosen vocation.
2: He's not a priest yet.
1: He's not a priest yet. That's very important. She would not sleep with him if he was a priest, but he's training to be a priest. She's like, oh, that's okay then.
3: (laughs) Jennifer Tilly with her smoky, smoky voice. All in all, man, this is a fun fucking movie, isn't it? It's well,
1: very, it's very oh. 80s. Oh, it's very 80s. It, the whole thing is based on the premise that this castle that's like a thousand years old and has been in the same family that whole time, the mortgage is due and they can't make the payment, which is always, it's the most 80s concept ever. It was everything in the 80s was that it's, this has been in our generation for a thousand years and now the bank's going to come take it away from us. It's like, well, why didn't you pay your mortgage off yet? The average mortgage is like 25 years. If you've had a mortgage for a thousand years, you're running your business poorly.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, yeah so what did you think Doug
1: um, it was okay I, I don't understand Noah's love for the film I didn't say I loved it I said it's fun it's like there's, a, there's several fun moments I personally really enjoyed Peter O'Toole's performance uh, he's the, the innkeeper if you will and there's like, there's just this great moment where he meets his ghost dad and he's just complaining to his dad about giving him this castle to run, basically saying like, I was content doing nothing and you handed me this responsibility. And of course I'm a failure at it. And he says something like, I just wanted to be useless and content, but you've made me useless and miserable or something like that. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I like that guy. I can get behind him. I, I found most of the other characters to be pretty uninteresting. Um, I found it relied heavily on certain jokes, like at the beginning when the guests are simply not noticing all the ghosty stuff happening. That went on for a while, and the same thing with Jennifer Tilly deciding she's going to nail a priest. Like that went on for a while. That joke was just like recurring over and over again with no nothing really new to add to it. But it had
3: some, you know, like say
1: some fun ghost moments in it, and like you said, the cast is good overall, even though the performances aren't great from all of them. Specifically Gutenberg, I thought was a little off his game.
3: Is it? He's doing uh, a Rick Moranis impression, right? Am, am I the only one that got that? I can see that,
2: yeah. yeah. He's trying to
3: play like a nerdy type.
2: I never, I never would have said that, but you bringing that up makes me go, yeah, he was doing a Rick Moranis impression.
1: But the other thing is, he's playing it Way too serious considering the movie he's in. And it's like the it's not working. Like
3: (laughs) Oh, it's Um,
2: me. Yeah.
3: My my internet froze there for a second, so I missed that.
2: Gotcha. Um Yeah, I pretty much wasn't a fan of this movie. I feel like it tried really hard and then I don't know. I feel like it couldn't tell at first if it wanted to be serious or the comedy. Um, So thus the comedy stuff didn't land very well.
3: At what point in the movie did you think it was trying to be serious?
2: (laughs) I feel like the tone of it was trying to be serious. Like, we need to come up with money to save this this, uh, castle. Otherwise some dude in Los Angeles is going to take it brick by brick over there. So I feel like Peter O'Toole's lamenting about having to pay off this castle, put a little bit more serious of a tone on it, and then, then there's wacky hijinks that, I don't know, didn't kind of fell flat for me.
1: The, the, way, I, the way I would have interpreted it is that if they were kind of struggling between whether to go with American humor or British humor, humor whether to uh, have that like, sort of dry British humor to it. And they, maybe they were yeah. trying to meld the two. And-
2: that's a good way to put it, yeah.
1: Yeah, like that 80s slapstick comedy does not meld with British dry wit humor. It, it, I think that's where a lot of the problems came in.
2: Yeah, but apparently Noah loved it. Yeah,
1: that's what I heard.
2: <laughs> I keep
3: overstating my life in this movie. Uh, I, another thing, so Daryl Hannah, right? Okay.
2: She has a horrible Irish accent this movie.
3: It's Whoa. bad. If you guys, why was she so fucking popular back in the eighties? Because you know what the weird thing is? I remember liking a lot of Daryl Hannah movies, and every time I rewatch them, I'm like, Daryl Hannah was a bad fucking actress. I don't know if that's oh. accurate. She's yeah. bland. She plays the same fucking person in every movie, and it's not very exciting. Mm. Like, it's not like good to play the same person in everything. Like Matthew Ilard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so. So you're telling me you feel her performance in this movie is the exact same as her performance in Kill Bill?
3: Pretty close. No, oh, shut your no, mouth. No, that's modern Daryl Hannah. I'm talking <laughs> about fucking 80s Daryl oh, Hannah. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: I'm trying to think of what it is about her, because I do find her likable
2: most of the mm-hmm. time. You
1: know, I think she's way off her game in this movie, because she shouldn't be doing accents.
2: Yeah.
3: It was. Um, she was the Rob Schneider of the 80s.
2: Oh, oh, that's, that is a love, love. Glow. He was
3: the love interest And X Love interest and a ghost
1: I think it's because of love interest And a mermaid I think that's what people Really liked her in <laughs>
3: That's what I'm saying love interest and a mermaid
1: Yeah
2: I mean I liked her in Blade Runner
1: Yeah Yeah and that was
3: a very different performance
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Blade, yeah, I know. Blade, Runner,
3: Blade Runner doesn't count. <laughs> My... her, her good performance don't so... count. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying that's one of the best movies fucking ever made. That has, speaks more to the director and cinematographer than it does to any actor in particular. Well, what about her role
1: in Grumpy Old Men? Are we counting that? Yeah. Nope, same performance in Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> I don't know I I, I think if you want to know what people liked about her in the 80s you have to look at Splash and Roxanne where she sort of played that like she was attractive enough that all the men characters wanted to be with her but she had that sort of naivete about her that made it it played into those types of movies at the time Uh, I don't know if if you didn't like it that's fine that's your opinion but most of the world seemed to
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah once- I, I, haven't, I haven't watched uh, Splash in forever So I guess I can't really judge on that
1: Weirdly I watched Splash like a year ago <laughs> <laughs> It's exactly uh. what you remember It's a mermaid walking you around know? New York City
2: Do you remember that there was a sequel made?
1: I remember that a sequel was made I don't remember much about it
2: Me neither, I was flipping through like Did you know type stuff I'm like, there was a splash too, but it was made for like direct to TV. Yeah, and nobody from the original movie is in it. I'm
1: trying to remember if they recast characters for it or not. I can't remember.
2: Oh yeah, the like the 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 guy who Tom Hanks played and Daryl Hannah's character—they're both in it, but they're both played by completely different people. Okay, well that's
1: that's why people don't remember it then, because yeah. that never works. No. Anyways. I don't know why we're doing a whole show dedicated to Daryl Hannah's <laughs> Over, but
2: maybe we should have. So, did
1: anybody have any favorite parts of High Spirits that they really liked? Uh, the
3: the uh, possessed theater scene. You like that? It's fucking awesome. That the weird thing where it's like uh, when the camera's facing the stage, it's all just. You know car cutouts moving around, but whatever it turns the other way, like the tentacles and shit are real. see, I felt like that was one of the scenes that I think
1: I think what Brian said would have been apt is that it was like uh, trying really hard, but it was falling a little flat for me I I can't really explain why other than just I think it it seemed like a funny idea, but the execution of it I wasn't enjoying, and maybe that was partly the actors. Playing things a little too serious. Like the British actors aren't capable of that level of slapstick comedy, and the American actors seem to be trying to take it more seriously. Again, I'm gonna throw it back on Gutenberg, because that's a funny guy. Like, go back and watch like Police Academy movies, he's good at playing a goofball. But here he is in this movie trying to take it all serious, like he's in a romantic movie about him and this ghost and not in a ridiculous comedy about him having sex with the ghost.
3: I think judging by the way it plays out, I think they were expecting this movie to be a bigger thing than it was.
2: Oh yeah, I
3: think that they were thought that they were making uh, Ghostbusters into a romantic comedy.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison.
3: But I don't remember this movie at all from the eighties. When you
1: said let's watch it, I had to like look up what it was. Um, you know, in eighty eight, I remember eighty eight because it's like. Halloween Four came out in '88. I remember those commercials and stuff. So I should know what this is, considering the the, the actors that are in it and stuff. But I no, no idea what it is. Never heard anyone talk about it until you wanted to do it on the show. Well,
3: this was this was pre
1: Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, Liam Neeson is is not a main actor in this. He just he he, he has a decent size part but he was not a known name in this the known names in this are Gutenberg Peter O'Toole, Beverly D'Angelo those guys that were even
3: Jennifer Tilly I don't think in 88 people really knew who that was she was just kind of up and coming she looks like she was pre-boob job Jennifer Tilly (laughs) and who knew that existed
2: yeah I don't know wasn't for me and I was, I'm, um, and I was bummed too because I this is another one I had never seen it before. It had always kind of like, oh, I need to watch that sometime because I figured I'd like it. Like we said, Gutenberg, uh, fucking ghosts and Daryl Hannah, who was America's sweetheart at the time, according to Noah. And uh, yeah, was not to love, but I don't know, just did not do it for me. Yeah,
3: I think it's an understandable. I I would call it an uh, underwhelming because it's not a bad movie. It's got... It's funny enough to be worth a watch. The acting's good enough to be worth a watch.
2: The only... We oh, lost
3: Noah. Yeah. Doing his uh, Rick Rick Moranis impression is not good. <laughs> and he's kind of the driving force of the film. So, it kind of... But unfortunately, I think all of the plans... Lands squarely on the goot and Daryl Hannah's terrible Irish accent. Oh.
2: I guess I don't understand like the rules of the ghosts either.
3: No, it's not clear. Uh, what- you don't need to know them because in the movie they clearly have a book that lists the rules. <laughs> so you can just trust that that information is <laughs> in that book.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess I just don't understand because like what, there's like a term for what Daryl Hannah and Liam Meeson start out as uh, I think they used it in Ghostbusters if that makes sense. I think <laughs> the some of the
1: terminology was borrowed from other films but yeah because they're doomed to like repeat that same night over and over again but some of the other ghosts are just walking around
2: like, but are they doomed to repeat it over and over again?
1: Well why are because... they repeating it over and over again if they're not?
2: Just... Well exactly but I mean if if she can go off and like wander outside and pray by a tree. and
1: But I think all that starts after Gutenberg interrupts
3: their cycle. So Goot sets her free with his selfless act and uh-huh. then the wife sets Liam Neeson free by giving him a ghost boner.
2: <laughs> uh, I forgot those
3: rules.
1: Those were on different pages of that book. The ghost boner and the selfless act.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what happened. <laughs> we all saw this
2: the same thing happened right yeah you're not not wrong it's
1: but again it's why are they doing that but like the father ghost is just like still like he's almost still in his marriage to his wife he's just continued on as if nothing's happened Um, living his life he just happens to be a ghost now so he can't physically touch shit
2: well I think it's uh, he didn't die traumatically like Daryl Hannah's character,
1: is that what it is?
2: Although are I don't mean, know why Liam Easton's character would be.
1: Why is he even dead? Yeah. After he killed his wife, did, did they ever explain why he died? Because he yeah. just died of old age, like seventy five years later. It seems unfair. <laughs> They'd come back to that light that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This
2: is, what, this is what I don't get. The rules. The rules are not stated very clearly. Yeah.
1: Because we expect that in our slapstick comedies exactly about, about ghosts banging Steve Gutenberg. We expect very clear-cut rules, and I think that's reasonable. The first rule of Ghost
3: Club is you don't talk about the rules of Ghost Club. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Alright, well, either of you have anything else to say about High Spirits?
1: No, well, I guess, I mean, it's clearly Noah says it's worth a watch. Brian says it's not, and I'm going to go... Yeah, like if there's something about this movie that attracts you to it, and, and you can find it for free on YouTube, like I did, then sure. But I don't think you need to see it unless unless you feel like some personal urge to see it. I think your your life's fine without
2: it. So yeah, you're not missing some '80s classic that you're. No, Nathan no. <laughs> Took it. two. I do, <laughs> I do find it interesting that the budget was apparently seventeen million, yeah, and it made like eight and a half million at the box office.
1: Oh, so then why are we still talking about it so many years later? <laughs>
3: Nobody even talked about it then. Nope. I'm going to say this movie. It seems to be a weird conglomeration of a bunch of other movies. They were like, if. Ghostbusters, The Money Pit, and Ver- Baron von Munchausen writes again were trying to smash together into a single movie. This is the movie that would be com- coming out of that horrid combination of things.
2: Weirdly, that does make sense.
1: Yeah, no, it shouldn't have. Like As you were saying that sentence, I'm like, there's no way this is going gonna- to. Oh, no, he's got a point. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <sighs> All right. Well, we're going to follow that up with the. Apparently 1990 classic. Ooh, 91. Uh, Nothing But Trouble, starring Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, most importantly, John Candy, because you can never get enough John Candy. John fucking Candy. Yeah. Directed by Dan Aykroyd, his directorial debut.
1: Also, his the last thing he directed. Uh, Coincidentally. We'll
2: we'll get into that. Um, So... Chevy Chase is like a... What's he say? He's like a finance advisor. Yeah, um, financial
1: publicist. He insists that people refer to him that way.
2: Yeah. Uh, kind of has a thing for Demi Moore, who just moved into his building. Uh, apparently, she got screwed over by her boyfriend, who's in Atlantic City. And he offers to drive her to Atlantic City the next day so she can confront him. And then, uh, apparently, was so drunk, he invited two uh musicians or something It's not really clear
1: who they are they're customers of his and his financial business
2: have some weird vague nationality that they never get into
1: it's best they don't because whatever (laughs) it is they'd be racist against those people (laughs) if they did
2: uh (laughs) but uh so they all go on a sort of road trip to atlantic city but they do take a little shortcut I don't remember why. Like, why do they get off the road? Is the 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 vaguely uh, foreign guy wants to see like coal mines or something?
1: Something like that. It's not right. a good reason.
2: No. So they use this amazing technology of GPS, which is actually pretty amazing for 1991.
1: Yeah, it's pretty impressive.
2: And uh, find like a real quick shortcut. They go through this really small town called Vankovania.
3: Vulcanvania.
2: Vulcanva- Vulcanvania. <laughs> and apparently they take their laws very seriously. After Chevy Chase rolls through a stop sign, he gets chased down by John Candy, who's played the city constable. Uh, there's a car chase with all kinds of uh,
3: shenanigans.
2: Yeah, I was going to say like night Rider-esque, sort of like John Candy can, like, flip switches in his car and activate, like, a road detour and a drawbridge. Um, So, (laughs) at the end of the day, he tells them he's not taking him in for the uh, eluding the police and reckless driving. He's still only taking him in for uh, not signaling or not coming to a complete stop at the stop sign. So, they go to see the town judge or whatever played by Dan Aykroyd and really horrible old mage old man makeup horrible uh, yeah he, he looks he looks terrible are you, I'm just, saying he looks, are you
3: saying it's makeup of a horrible old man or that it's yeah. horrible yeah. Comma, old man
2: makeup? no 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 <laughs> he, he looks he looks like a horrible old man
1: okay there okay all right, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now we can all forward all
2: right uh who and he's kind of flippant with the with him so he sentences them to i don't know they have to have another hearing the next day or something it's a very loose like uh the courthouse is in the middle of this junkyard uh also the courthouse is where this entire family lives and so he like pulls a trap door they fall in a pit of squeaky toys and then it's Chevy Chase and Demi Moore <laughs> trying to find their way out of this house and escape. Pretty much the entire movie. Hijinks! I, I do
3: believe you left out an important phrase.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Flesh removing roller coasters.
2: That's called the Bone Stripper. The
3: Bone Stripper.
2: Which <laughs> oh, <yeah, laughs> oh, had theme music.
1: <laughs> and it deserves its own theme music.
2: Um. So what did we think of this movie? This is my first time watching this one. I'll,
3: I'll yeah. let you guys go ahead and discuss. I've seen this movie a whole bunch of times. <laughs> okay, so uh,
1: I, I saw this movie in the early 90s, and I remember it being weird as shit, mm-hmm. and then I watched it just the other day, and uh, my memories were perfectly accurate as weird
2: <laughs> as shit. Uh,
1: but it's a fun fucking ride when you're watching it. Like, and I think a lot of that comes down to the, the performances. I mean, Chevy Chase is just doing his Chevy Chase thing. He's one step away from being the Griswolds go to Vancouver or whatever it's called, right? <laughs> but he just has that delivery and that stuff that makes it really fun. Um, and when they end up in this weird castle courthouse thing with the Rancor pit full of squishy toys and (laughs) everything. And it's, it's so much, it's so weird and so fun to watch that I just, the whole time I'm just enjoying myself. So even though none of the movie makes any damn sense, but like at one point they're at a dinner table and like part of the table, like lowers down and is replaced by train tracks. And then a train is going around dropping off condiments at everybody's seats. And I'm going, like, nothing about this makes any kind of logic whatsoever. But I don't know, that's pretty cool.
2: Uh, yeah, I feel like it's like a comedic version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, this this plot line of like you go off the beaten path, you get sucked into some crazy family has existed
2: for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, first time watching it, I thought it was uh, pretty okay. Like, I'm not in love with keep it. Reading. What
3: did you guys hear any of that? Yes, I
2: heard you say something about keep reading, and then that's it. No, I
3: said my my internet. Cut out and I didn't know if you guys had mentioned the fact that the condiments were for
2: horrible, horrible
3: hot dogs that <laughs> look like zombie penises.
2: Yeah, that's pretty gross.
1: <laughs> it was. And it just leads to that scene of like disgusting old man Dan Aykroyd eating disgusting hot dog. Oh, just yeah. a lot of disgusting all at once and just designed to make the audience feel uncomfortable and go, But it worked at the
2: yeah, Demi Morris kind of trying to go along, hoping that you know, if they're really nice to these people, then they'll just let them go. And so they show up, uh, they show up with dinner, and it's like, oh, oh, we're not eating dog, are we? He's like, well, no, don't be crazy, it's hot dogs. But then it's like the grossest <laughs> things I've ever you seen kinda, in my life.
1: You kind of wish they were eating a dog at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh. sick.
2: Yeah, but yeah, I thought it was it was. You know, it was good. I, like I said, I wasn't in love with it, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. And uh yeah, it had some good, funny parts that I enjoyed. But I can. So apparently, when this movie came out in 1991, people went, "What the fuck?" And then it pretty much. The budget. Let's put it this way: the budget was 40 million. It made 8.4 million at the box office,
3: and that's not so. considered successful, right? That's no. Which is, which is kind of super fucking sad, because it, it, I, I know you said you weren't in love with it or anything, but it's yeah. a fucking extremely well-crafted movie for the most part. Like,
2: if anything, so the set good. design was amazing.
3: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the set design's amazing. The special effects, for the most part, are really fucking good. Mm-hmm. A couple of them are cheesy, but they're the parts where it's cheesy, they're intentionally cheesy. Like the bones getting shot out of the river.
2: <laughs> Poor Daniel Baldwin. He
3: deserved it. <laughs> In retrospect, don't we all wish it was Steven?
2: Aww.
3: But really it, I think at the end of the day, I only have one complaint about the entire movie. It, that's the stupid Looney Tunes fucking joke at the very end of the movie. <laughs> I don't I don't get why that's in there. It doesn't fit with the rest of the movie fucking at all. Yeah, you're right.
2: Was it what, that they're coming to live with him in New York?
3: Well, that they say they're coming to live with him, and then Chevy Chase goes, No! Nah! And then all you hear is an explosion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chevy Chase, shaped hole. Not not just in the wall, but, like, high up on the wall. <laughs> like, he leaped and smashed through it in a running pose.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree.
3: Well, if you're going to get up enough speed to go through a wall, you're probably going to be airborne by the time you get there. That just makes sense. It's just, like like I said, it's so weird, because that, that one gag just does not fit with anything in the rest of the fucking movie. It's like it was just added on at the end for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that complaint. I'm just not nearly as worked up about it as you are. I, I think the reason why it works me up is because it's the very last thing that happens, which if you want to ruin a movie, ruin the last thing you see in a movie. <laughs> because that's... <laughs> or the first thing. Because then people aren't going to fucking watch it. Yeah, no, I... It's the joke
1: is it's not poorly executed or it's not really a bad joke. It's just doesn't
3: belong in this
2: movie. Hmm. I'm almost wondering if that scene was added at the end.
3: Uh, It feels feels like the movie has three endings. Like
2: yeah,
3: like they've ended the movie and then they drag it out for one more joke.
2: Hmm. Uh, Because from what I read, they like the movie was actually originally a lot darker. And then they re-edited it to um, have a lighter tone. So I'm almost wondering if, like, we'll just shoot, like, a second unit of just a whole Chevy Chase-shaped hole in the wall. Just tack that on the end, because some producer thought it'd be funny.
1: That could be it. That could be, like, a studio trying to save this picture from being Mm -hmm. too weird for its own good. Put in a joke that everybody will get.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And apparently, it said that the original title was Get Git G I T. Well,
3: that's not a good title. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah, that's yeah, that's no good. That's. I'm glad they changed it to this. <laughs> uh, did we mention that Tupac's
2: in this movie? <laughs> he is in this movie.
3: Just because.
2: And, and yep. I, I read the trivia before. I, like while I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh, Tupac's in this movie." So I was expecting him. I was not expecting, uh, what, the, what what's the fucking hip-hop group with the dude with the fake nose on? Oh, okay. oh.
3: God damn it.
2: Yeah. It's, Is it Digital Underground?
1: Just, yeah. Digital
2: yeah, because yeah, they're the ones that are responsible for the Humpty Dance.
0: Yeah.
2: And I was just like, wait, that dude's in this? And Tupac's part of his uh, entourage slash crew or whatever? Yeah. So I was excited. Uh, we also forgot to mention that John Candy plays two roles in this. Well, he also he also plays Dan Aykroyd's granddaughter, who has a thing for Chevy Chase.
3: Yeah.
1: Because um, in the eighties, it was funny to put a man in a dress, and now it's insensitive. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's the typical old timey joke of like you put a fat guy in a dress. Now he's an ugly woman, and then of course he hits on the main character, and he ends up married. They end up married, right? Chevy Chase and Girl John Candy. Yeah, that's how. That's why they end up thinking it's okay to go live with the uh, Chevy Chase.
0: No, yeah.
2: yeah. calls him his uh, grandson-in-law. Yeah. All right, Noah. Why don't you tell us what, whatever, whatever you were going to say about it? Uh,
3: then it's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like,
1: hang on. I got this great commentary. You no. guys go
3: first. I'll save. Uh, no, I just, I just didn't want to like talk through the whole thing because once again, I've seen this movie a bajillion fucking times, mm-hmm. but I, I, like I said, I love everything in this fucking movie. I like the way everything's so fucking weird. Like just every second of that they're in Balkanvania, mm-hmm. it's bizarre, uh, even, whatever you meet the uh, the cousins uh, Bobo and uh, what the fuck was the other one's name? Uh, the weird giant fat baby mutants that live out in the junkyard. Yeah, that's. I think that was his name. <laughs> uh, really, I think the worst the worst part of this entire movie is Demi Moore. Demi Moore's performance is not. Everybody else does fine. Well, I didn't have a problem with her. I thought she was doing the
1: kind of the straight man role in this and she was doing it pretty well where she's like the one that's constantly telling everybody else to like shut up and get in line and nobody else is behaving like a
3: rational human being at all.
2: Yeah. I felt her performance serviced what uh, was required of her for the, uh, for the movie.
3: Yeah. Like I said, most, most of the jokes hit pretty good uh, when digital underground show up and the, the judge forces them to perform, to prove that they're musicians. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, this is a song is, is break it, in, the, in the middle yeah, of it
3: yeah, yeah and halfway through he breaks into a pipe organ solo
1: <laughs> <laughs> somehow makes complete sense in this movie yeah
2: i will say i do feel like if i would have saw this when i was younger like 10 10 or so that this would definitely be like one of those movies like oh my god i watched this like a billion times and would have a huge nostalgic feel for it Uh, First time watch, like I said, I enjoyed it, not in love with it, but I do feel like it was a good time.
1: Yeah, I think actually maybe the problem with this movie is that a lot of the humor is aimed at 10-year-olds, but it's a PG-13 movie. It's just a little too dark for the type of jokes they're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, I like it. I just think, yeah, you're saying saying you should have been 10 when you saw it, and I agree with
3: that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that, that would have been the age of probably when I would have discovered something like this.
3: I I think if this movie had been just a little bit darker and made about um, ten years later, it would be a huge cult film. Sure.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the alternative to going to making it for younger kids would be to go darker and see how that turned out, which would be interesting as well. I'm usually in favor of making anything darker because why not? Grimdark. Maybe there'll be a gritty reboot of the Nothing But Trouble series.
3: (laughs) And and once again, it's disappointing that this movie kind of stalled out uh, Dan Aykroyd's directing career.
2: Pretty much his career in general at that point.
3: Yeah, because really, like I said, this is not not just competently made, but this movie's got some vision to it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's a big, this is a high fucking concept film that's going
1: on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's so unique and original that the, just the fact that it's a well-made film, you think, okay, if somebody's going to make unique, original ideas and do it well, you'd like them to have more than one kick at the can at that to see if they can become hugely successful, because just because this movie didn't do well doesn't make it a bad movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who it was. Some of the trivia I read, um, someone basically said that uh, uh, somebody I don't know was friends with uh, Dan Aykroyd. Basically said this was the movie that sort of put a huge dent in his career because since it did so horribly, and then he was you know he was a star of it. He was the co-writer of it. He was a producer. He was the director. That since it failed so bad, like like none of the blame could be deflected from Dan Aykroyd. So pretty much just was like, put him in comedy jail for a long time after this.
1: Yeah. And I, and that, I mean, I do agree. If, if you think this movie's a success, he gets the credit. If you mm. think it's a failure, he takes the blame because there's not really, there's nobody else. Right. I mean, Chevy Chase is doing what Chevy Chase does. Demi Moore is doing what Demi Moore does. Mm. Even that, uh, that weird musician guy is that he's one of those, hey, it's that guy, actors that's doing exactly what he does in every other movie. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, everybody's doing their job. Nobody's doing anything kind of unexpected, except Dan Aykroyd, who has made this wacky fucking movie, which again, (laughs) for me, works, and so I say give him credit for it. Um, The rest of the world
3: decided he should go make
1: vodka (laughs) for a
2: living. (laughs) And do specials about aliens.
3: Yeah. Here's here's a piece of trivia that's a big burn. Uh, Roger Ebert famously hated the movie so much that he refused to write a review for it after having gone to one of uh, his most emphatic thumb-down reviews uh, on Siskel and Ebert. Uh, On the show, Ebert said that when he went to a weeknight showing of the film in 1991, the theater was almost abandoned, except for him and a few lone adults and several teenagers who were making loud, rude comments through the entire film. At one point, Ebert got up, walked over to the teens, and asked them to be louder so he didn't have to listen to this terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, whether you
1: agree with him or not, Roger Ebert was awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't know. Anything else you want to love over or uh,
3: like I Like I said, the whole, the whole thing, it's a really good fucking movie. <laughs> people should see this one. The fact that it doesn't have a bigger cult standing makes me sad. Like, I, I feel like this one deserves to be a cult cool movie.
1: Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think this movie deserves more love than it gets. I think it, mm-hmm. I'm surprised that it hasn't been found by people who watch weird, wacky shit. But I think maybe just because it's a 91 movie, it doesn't fall into that 80s category. Um, It probably doesn't get as much attention as it deserves.
2: Um, I will say I did enjoy John Candy's performance as the uh, granddaughter. Uh, They do write it. He's mute, so he doesn't really... She doesn't talk the entire movie, but his uh, mannerisms and expressions are enough to make you laugh throughout the whole thing, so...
1: They're pretty funny, and they're completely different from how he's behaving when he's in his male role,
2: which is mm-hmm. nice. So yeah,
1: they didn't just have him be the exact same.
2: Yeah, I miss John Candy.
1: He was so funny. He was just such a likable character at all times, right? Like, even in this movie where he's like pulling the people over for, and he's like the cop who's like it's clearly supposed to be intimidating them. You're just like, just kind of want to get out and high five that
2: guy. Like, <laughs>
1: I, if I ever get pulled over, I hope it's by John Candy.
2: Oh, if you get pulled over and it's John Candy, you should run. Something fucked up is going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, what if it's just a security guard character from vacation?
2: <laughs> yeah, Valkavania's I
3: closed. And it's the shambling corpse of John Candy.
2: <laughs> Wagons East can't be my last role.
3: Have you met my partner, Chris Farley? <laughs>
2: Man
3: down
1: by the river. Oh, God! <laughs> All right, now it went and got ridiculous.
0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at drive-in pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
2: Alright, uh, anybody watch anything? Noah, did you watch anything this week?
3: Uh, I am almost all the way through season two of Luke Cage. I okay.
2: S- still haven't watched Jessica Jones yet.
1: I I'm like four episodes in,
3: so don't spoil things. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm going to say uh, this might be my favorite season of a Marvel Netflix show so far because it's it's solid. The writing's good. The characters are good. Uh, they changed one dude from the comic books a lot, <laughs> so I'm not. Not exactly sure, although, once again, he's a character that nobody, nobody fucking knows who that is. Nobody knows who Piranha Jones is. Nobody fucking nobody knows yeah, that, except no for idea. me and five other fucking d- douches <laughs> sitting on a ring comic books. Oh,
1: good, so that makes it okay to change, but I still don't know who that is, and I'm watching the show. Maybe yeah. it hasn't shown up yet.
3: Uh, piranha is the, the guy that they were talking to in the first episode about the insider trading deal. Oh, okay. All right. But in in the comic books, Piranha Jones has piranha teeth. Oh. That makes more sense. He's a piranha man. <laughs> he's, he's a black guy with piranha teeth.
2: Um, and outside of your post on Facebook, I've seen other people also saying that they... Seems to have fixed uh, Iron Fist from okay. his own series and the Defender series into a better version of himself.
1: Yeah, so so much. That's good because I haven't gotten to him yet. No, so I, you can see he's coming. Like they've already introduced his girlfriend character and his name's been
3: dropped. So I'm like, okay, Iron Fist is showing up, which makes sense. I'll tell you but one like, thing that they did that was an instant improvement. They cut off that stupid fucking haircut that he had. <laughs> <laughs> well, that- what I moving away from hair commentary,
1: because I'm not qualified to speak on it for various reasons, but, uh, but I really like what this Luke Cage shows, the way that they're just spending a lot of time with the side characters, and rather than, okay, we've already did a whole season dedicated to Luke Cage, let's get to know all these other people in, in the world, and that's working really well for me. The Misty Knight stuff is working
3: well for me, and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I'm talking about. I really hope... I, I, I hope that after season two of Iron Fist, they just get rid of the Iron Fist and Luke Cage brands and they just do
2: Heroes for Hire. Yeah, yeah,
3: just Heroes for Hire. And it's just Misty Knight, Iron Fist, uh, you know, Luke Cage, and uh, what's-her-face,
1: Cunning Wing. Mm -hmm. I could see them going there. It seems like they're leaning that way. Some of the stuff is pretty funny in the first couple episodes of Luke Cage where they're dealing with the fact that he's trying to make money off of his superheroing and it's kind of hilarious that he is like selling t-shirts and shit but I can see them going there just like, acknowledging that hey some of these guys can't afford to just build these major suits and
3: they actually kind of need to get paid a little it's, it's interesting that they, they've gone the exact opposite of the comic books and yet it still works somehow because in the comic books Luke Cage is all about making money and in the show, he's kind of slowly getting forced into the idea of eventually he's going to have to start charging people. Well, I think it works better in the show if you have him be the, the pure character who brings himself down to that level. Yeah, no, no, I 100% agree with that. Uh, like I said, it's, it's awesome. Uh, the, the action pieces are all real good. The, the villains, like, obviously... Uh, Black Mariah's back, and they're kind of just ratcheting her up more and more and more. And then you've got Bushmaster, who's really, really awesome, even though a lot of people apparently are really mad about him not being Jamaican and doing a Jamaican accent. Uh, he does a really good Jamaican accent. I never noticed that
1: he wasn't Jamaican. I just... Uh, I have no idea what a real Jamaican accent sounds like, so I. Couldn't well, yeah, he's also yeah. When I say he sounds like a Jamaican, he sounds like what Jamaicans sound like on TV. That's yeah. all I know. Exactly. Oh, uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's that to me is. You can you can play people who are of a slightly different nationality than you can? Like you don't have to hire you don't have to hire people who are of like the exact same heritage of the character. I don't think.
2: I'll tell that to Daryl Hannah in High Spirits.
1: Okay, but she did it poor damn it, Daryl Hannah! <laughs> fucked over the Irish actors
3: once again, taking their
1: roles.
2: i
3: to, in season three of uh, Jessica Jones as the love interest slash mermaid. <laughs> I would love it if the mermaid from Splash showed up in the
1: MCU. That'd be amazing.
2: Um, do I need to have seen Jessica Jones before I watch Luke Cage? uh no like i'm gonna watch jessica jones it's just right now i'm kind of more jazzed about watching luke cage than i i've
3: only got i've only got two episodes left and so far jessica jones season two and luke cage season two do not cross over at all like they they don't have anything to do with each other
2: I just didn't want them to like mention something like in the last episode that completely like spoils the entire second season of Jessica Jones. I'll be like, motherfucker!
3: Well, I'll tell you if it does. I've only got two episodes left, and I'm probably going to watch it when I'm recording this. <laughs> So if you guys could hurry up. <laughs> well, it's just been... Usually, usually, I tend to, when these Marvel shows come out, I binge them like the first day they come out like a crazy person. Just because I need it. I need all the Marvels in my veins. yeah.
2: <laughs> uh. Uh, did you watch anything else?
3: I uh, watched that. I uh, watched a couple. Gotta save those for next show. <laughs> I know. I watched a couple of things. Next, go ahead. I'll probably come up with them. <laughs> All
1: right. Um, well, I went and saw Jurassic World, the new one.
2: Oh, it's on my list. Might go see it tomorrow.
1: Yeah, it's okay. It's a, it's a movie about dinosaurs eating people. That's um, what I've heard. Yeah, which, I mean, I inherently like dinosaurs eating people. I'm a little biased in favor of that. (laughs) Uh, I feel like something happened here where they wanted to make a Jurassic World trilogy. I think they wanted this movie to be the first two, but somebody came along and went, no, you have to reestablish the brand first. So they made that first one, which was sort of like a remake of the first one of Jurassic Park. And then this is the first two movies that they of the trilogy that they actually wrote. because I mean if you've seen the trailers, the basic concept is they go to the island to save the dinosaurs. then they get the dinosaurs back to to land and things go awry. Um, I feel like that almost should have been two movies. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter because it moves along at a pretty fast pace and it's an action movie so it's mostly fluff but then every now and again dinosaurs eat people and there's a few kind of cool moments um, a lot of people are pointing to the one scene where one of the brontosaurus looking things is left behind when they're leaving the island and you get to watch it kind of like scream out like it it wants to get on the boat with the rest of the dinosaurs which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because why does it know what a boat is but it's a cool <laughs> moment um, some fun callbacks to the earlier earlier movies and things like that but mostly just it's dinosaurs eating people it's what you need yeah so I don't know I would I would say yeah if you, if you like the franchise you'll like this one if you don't like the franchise this isn't going to win you over so I don't know maybe after you see it we can discuss further see what you think but yeah it's it's a it's fluffy action movie stuff I enjoyed it
2: What I've heard yeah. so my expectations are not super high
1: all right. So then, speaking of things that eat people, I rewatched a, an old favorite of mine, Orca, which I've been trying to convince you to do on the show, Brian, since before this show existed, and since we never got around to it, I'm like,
2: "Fucking, I'm just gonna watch it." Well, <laughs> um, it's funny enough, because I bought this on Vudu. Oh, really? Because <laughs> it was like on like sale for like five bucks or something. So, but I haven't watched it.
1: All right. Well, when you get around to it. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It's really a better movie than it has any right to be. I mean, most people just think it's just a Jaws ripoff, which is true, it is. Um, But it's oddly emotional, considering it's a movie about a killer whale going to battle with a fisherman. Because the basic plot is that this fisherman decides he's going to catch a killer whale, sell it, into like SeaWorld or whatever and then in the process of trying to do so he slaughters a pregnant female and so the male is basically out for revenge and the male it's kind of like when uh, it's it's like a wrestling storyline like (laughs) the male orca when you say it out loud it sounds really cheesy he's like tormenting the town until this fisherman agrees to come out and kind of do battle with him on the water, and eventually, you know, the guy cracks in, in in the least surprising turn of events possible, the guy eventually does go out to fight the orc. <laughs> and they end up having this battle out in the sea where, of course, the crew is taken out, it comes down to just man versus beast. And, but I don't know, there's something about the movie that is, it's better than that plot description makes it sound. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, if you, when you watch it, we'll discuss it again, but I think it'll be be happy to see that it uh it's not just nonsense it's not just a jaws ripoff even though clearly it is a jaws ripoff it's not a coincidence
2: for some reason (laughs) i just since you're saying the the uh the killer whale is like taunting the town until the fisherman comes out i now have this (laughs) this visual of that scene from uh oh what the fuck is the name of that movie um the one with Brendan Fraser, where he's a Jewish kid in school.
1: Oh yeah, uh, school ties. <laughs> school ties.
2: I what? just now see an orca. Not
1: have any orcas in it.
2: No, but now I just see or- an orca standing outside, like, "Come on, you coward!" <laughs> <laughs> just taunting the, the fisherman till he comes out finally to face him. <laughs>
3: I'm upset. That somehow this slid into Brendan Fraser
2: territory. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, it's it's so nothing ridiculous.
1: ridiculous like that. It's just the orca simply goes into the harbor and sinks all the boats except that one fisherman's boat. It's all that. It later it starts a fire.
2: Uh, I totally want to see that now.
1: Uh, I don't know if I want to see your. Brendan Fraser fights an orca movie. It doesn't that necessarily Brendan, appeal
2: to me. The orca is playing the Brendan Fraser role. Okay,
1: so it's a Jewish orca at this point. Yeah, why not? In your in your storyline.
2: Sure.
1: I mean, I guess <laughs> I hate to be Matt Damon when the film that this fight breaks out
3: this time it's of orca punching in the head. <laughs> Uh, just rope have... it up him if you stay back it'll suffocate
2: <laughs> uh, won't suffocate Noah. they breathe air
3: yeah, but if, they, if they if they sit on land the sheer weight of their body they can't
2: breathe no. you know, alright fair enough
3: beach die the beach, oh. you know, they don't quite, just quite lay on the beach
1: and chill out why, why did you assume this scene was taking place on land? That's what I'd like to know.
3: <laughs> I don't think
1: Brian said anything that implies that this scene was
3: taking place on land. Now, if we're talking about Matt Damon in a, in a fucking scuba suit or something boxing an orca underwater, that's the best fucking movie I've ever heard.
2: <laughs> Someone get Matt Damon on the phone. I don't think...
3: It might not be quite as good as Fulci's Zombie Shark versus zombie. But it'd be be right up there.
2: Uh, fucking Jabber Jaws versus Matt Damon. (laughs) That'd be amazing. (sighs) Uh, that's great. I think we just made a better movie than Orca. I don't.
1: I'm not convinced,
2: but. I'm just saying, if if tomorrow you looked and you're like, wait, there's a movie in a theater where Matt Damon boxes an orca in the ocean. Oh, I'm
1: going to that movie for <laughs> sure. Like, that's not an issue. That's not what we're talking about here. Uh,
2: so good. Did you watch anything else? <laughs> Nothing that's going to be nearly as exciting as Matt Damon boxing an orca in the ocean, but...
1: Well, I did have my, my favorite re. Uh, my favorite watch of the uh, last whatever week and a half since we last recorded is definitely Soylent Green. And the reason it's my favorite one is because it's one of those VHSs that I've owned for years and never watched, but I did buy it used. And when I put it in my VCR, the last asshole didn't rewind it. So I actually had to stop and wait for it to rewind. And that made me very, very happy. Because I'm (laughs) like, this movie has been sitting there not rewound since God knows when. Um. And also, the movie is better than I ever thought it was going to be because I had seen the oh, final, the final scene of the movie, like the "It's people, it's people." I'd seen that scene, and I'd obviously seen it parodied everywhere. Most um,
2: importantly, by Phil Hartman on SNL.
3: Soylent cow patties are people. <laughs>
2: Silent <laughs> Creed is still people. They said they changed the recipe, but they did it. It's still people. <laughs>
0: One of the things
1: that shocked me about this movie was the fact that they, they're they actually lying and saying, it's its not, we don't know what's in this. It's like they're claiming it's something else, and then it's people. And I thought, well, that just seems like bad marketing by this <laughs> silent company. <laughs> but, yeah, but I was definitely like because I thought that was what the movie was about, I thought it was just going to be very cheesy. And mm. I was really impressed with how, like, how smart the movie is, and how good the world building is. And like the whole Soylent Green is People thing is just a little plot. It's it's like Blade Runner, right? It's not it's about the plot, it's about the world that it takes place in. Mm. And I thought the world was neat. And I thought, I was really impressed with the way they did certain things. Like They want to tell you that poor people don't have food in this modern world but they don't tell you that what they have is they have like charlton heston's character who's a a police officer like when he's investigating crimes he just kind of takes food from rich people's fridges and takes it home with him, and that lets you know that hey average people can't afford to have actual food that they have to eat this and crap that's their way of letting you know and i think it's it's smarter than i expected and the world itself is pretty cool. It's like this, you know, dystopic future where you know rich people can have real food, but poor people, they can't. Uh, they have to sustain themselves using like, chemical-based food products, and it's you know the government hasn't done anything about climate change, so the world is like really hot and uncomfortable all the time, and that's causing people to be. A lot more tense and everything. So,
0: uh,
1: you know, if you can't find a VHS copy of this movie, you can go outside. Uh, those are your two choices because it's kind of just 2018. Um, but that's where we're at.
2: So yeah, I've, never bit, seen, I've never seen it either, but it's been on my list to watch for quite a It's,
1: while. A, it's another one of those like 70s dystopic sci fi movies where you're like, how did they know what was coming? <laughs> Because it's like, according to them, in 2022, like, the police will be underfunded. The rich will be living in these towers while the poor are, like, living in shambles. The, uh, you know, like I say, poor people are sustaining themselves on food products instead of actual food. Climate change has destroyed the world. I'm like, all this stuff is like, I'm like, in four years? Maybe. That's like... (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't see far. arrows
2: are delicious. <laughs> so it's gonna be like Silent Red or something. They're like, no, no, yeah. no. It's totally this is, this different. Totally different. Definitely so, not people.
1: This is definitely not people. There's a really funny joke in there that I'm not racist enough to make about Silent Red is a certain kind of person. But Silent I'm Yellow all. is a different kind of person. you guys,
3: you guys notice this has a real. Peoplely aftertaste.
2: <laughs> <sighs> uh, no, it's
3: awesome. I mean the 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 surly Green mo- mid- moments, just that nineteen seventies. Damn you, the corporation. <laughs> yeah, that they all had. The, yeah, they wanted that
1: moment, and they needed something in the movie. You have to have a plot that comes to an end in your movie, right? And so that's basically they weave in this plot about he's investigating the murder of a guy, and it turns out that guy knew the secret of Soylent Green, and that's why he was killed. Um, but, that's not thats not what the movie's about. The movie's about world-building. The movie's about showing you this fucked-up dystopian future, and it does a surprisingly good job of that. And because the movie's not about plot, it doesn't matter that Charlton Heston can't act. It's not... It doesn't hurt the movie that much. Oh, well, Tra- Charlton Heston is very good at playing Charlton. Not really. No, he's not even good at that. <laughs> He's—I don't know what he was good at. I have no idea why that guy was famous. It's—he's not. I've never seen a Charlton Heston role where I was impressed. What
2: well, burn to I you, Charlton I Heston think. estate. That's my—that's my, that's my think real think cheap can,
3: You can say he's—he's he's bad all you want, but think of all the great fucking movies he's in. Trying to what? Planet of the Apes.
2: Yeah. The Apes, the Omega Man.
1: Mega Man? Know, wait, I've wait. only seen <laughs> like five minutes of Omega Man, but I was not impressed with it. So one day I'll get around to watching that. Wayne's movie. World 2? <laughs> it's a solid point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you watch anything else?
1: Uh, I got a couple more things, but we record again in like a day and a half, so I'll save some for then. <laughs> okay. Ben, her? Moses? On I'm not sure Moses is what that movie's
2: called. <laughs> You're thinking of a different
3: one. You no, know, you know what I'm talking about: Ten Commandments or whatever the fuck that religion. Is. Do you think that that's a great movie? Have you ever
1: watched that movie? I have. Have you ever sat down and taken your entire Easter weekend to watch one
3: movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Are you saying? That's not a fucking famous ass movie that won a shit ton of awards. Yeah. And I'm saying that's why awards are bullshit
1: because a movie like that shouldn't win awards for just being vaguely based on the Bible, which is basically its major accomplishment in the mouth of madness. Oh yeah. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. You got to Doug sweet.
1: (laughs) But it's not good because of Charlton Heston. No, but he contributes He's, he he is not bad enough to prevent the movie
2: from being good. I see that much. <laughs> good lord! Uh, the show is going to get canceled due to a fight over Charlton Heston. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not even sure if anybody's a Charlton Heston fan, or if none of us will just let anyone else say something without criticizing them for it. <laughs> he was
2: uh, he was good in uh, Bowling for Columbine. Was he? Burn. Yes that's another burn on the Charlton Heston estate you
1: really showed them
2: yeah no that's Michael Moore confronting Charlton Heston talking about how horrible (laughs) guns are
1: I remember that (laughs) Charlton Heston
3: is just like why are you in my home (laughs) listen Charlton Heston is a garbage person he was also in Planet of the Apes so it's okay that he's a garbage person (laughs) (laughs) is that how that works so. Is that why Mark
1: Wahlberg is allowed to have been a former criminal who's famous now because he's right. in of the Apes too?
3: Yeah, but he was in the Bad Planet of the Apes. I should have worked against him. What happened? Your your old theory is askew. Although, wait, Charlton Heston was also in the Bad Planet of the Apes. Do they cancel each other out? Does Good Planet of the Apes and Bad Planet of the Apes cancel each other out? What world do I live in? I take everything back. He's, he's
2: shit. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I watched a couple things. Uh, I watched a movie. For some reason I got like on a slasher kick. So I watched the movie Final Exam. Okay. Uh, which, now that I'm uh, looking at my list, apparently it was so bad that I don't even remember what it was about. <laughs> um, Uh, I don't know it's final exam week and there's somebody killing a bunch of college students as you do yeah Uh, okay okay I do I do remember now Um, yeah the movie's not good it's very very boring but um, there's a scene in this movie that uh, if it happened in real life today would have been one of the worst things that's ever happened on a college campus maybe okay Um, potentially uh, so they're they're trying to take they're trying to take this test and this frat decided um, to uh, do something to cause a distraction so the main guy who's like the ultra douchey mcdouche of the frat can uh, fake his <laughs> test and hand it in without them noticing he makes it look like it's already been graded and he gave himself like a C plus or something And then puts it at the bottom of the stack. So, because there's some lady in there grading them, like as people are handing them in. So, in order to pull off a distraction, uh, the rest of the Frat Brothers show up in a van with black hoods on and machine guns and pull up in the quad and just start randomly shooting people and then drive off and you're like what the fuck is going on and then it turns out that the guns are just paintball guns and the people they shot are like in on it and so they just when nobody's looking get up and just run away but yeah they portray it as like this major terrorist act on the on this college campus like the nerdy kid calls the police and like there's terrorists on the college campus or whatever and then the cop shows up and they can't prove anything and he uh Basically tells the uh, nerdy kid that he's on a... You're on then night boy. Like one of those situations. Yeah. But do uh, college college students' Paris act just to uh, cheat on a test. Seemed perfectly fine and laughable in this movie.
1: When was this made?
2: <laughs> Luckily... Like 1980, 1981.
1: Okay. So, yeah, so it was 1981, it's like pretty- yeah pretty rational that people would have thought that was acceptable at the time.
2: <laughs> sure, why not?
1: In the 80s that's not that far-fetched of a plot for a movie. <laughs>
2: uh yeah, terrible. Um I don't know, a bunch of people get killed. Nobody <laughs> nobody including the viewer really cares all that much because they're all terrible people. Um so then I jumped over to one called The Centerfold Girls from 1974. Uh, it's very much sort of a grindhousey slasher movie. So where oh. this, it's not porn. There's no actual sex in it. There's lots of naked women, but um, so this guy is randomly killing these women because it almost plays out like an anthology. And so he's killing these women, and the only thing that connects them is they're all centerfolds in this men's magazine. So they have like a best of the year or whatever. And so he's going one by one and killing each one of them. And each one's sort of a, almost like a separate story. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, like I said, 1974. Lots of boobs. Uh, crazy dude just randomly killing girls. You know, everything you want in a good-natured uh, movie from the 70s. Yeah. That
1: just sounds like it's pretty appealing to me. Like,
2: <laughs> let's seek that one out. Yeah, because like one of them's like a nurse and she applies for like a job like at this um i don't want to say i mean i guess it is sort of like a camp and so she drives out to you know uh talk to the owner or whatever and uh coincidentally her aunt lives nearby so she's just going to stay at her aunt's house and then she picks up this hitchhiker girl who said her boyfriend just dumped her off in the city and then left without her but it turns out like um it's all a scam And her friends are, like, very much, uh, like, Manson people type people. So, they come to her house as well. And at first, she doesn't really, she's not really excited about it. But she just, uh, she's like, okay, I guess your friends can stay. But then they, like, won't leave and they start threatening her. And they're, like, they, like, slip something in her drink and, like, are getting ready to do all kinds of weird shit to her, but then she escapes. And then they act like they're gonna kill her. And the guy that owns the camp finds her, talks to the police, and then you know, he's gonna take her back to her aunt's house. And then for some reason, he acts like he's gonna rape her. And I'm just like, What the fuck is going on in this movie? And then the crazy guy that's after her does show up and eventually kill her. And then like, you know, just move on to the next girl. So it's almost like another story of Shit that's going on. So, kind of housey type watch if you're in the mood for such a thing. Uh, and then the last thing I watched for this episode was the 1982 movie Alone in the Dark. Uh, yep. Have you seen it before?
1: Oh yeah, bunch of old men killing people.
2: Yeah. So there's this apparently revolutionary like asylum for crazy people that wants them to feel like they're still somewhat free like it's one of those uh, things that's like well we don't confine our patients because that'll make them feel you know trapped or whatever and it right. uh, hurts the healing process but then like their top floor is like all of, like the super like dangerous crazy people so they've set up this system where like the windows are open and the doors are open but like if they cross like this invisible like laser or whatever, they'll like go into total shutdown. So sort of like lock all the windows and stuff like that. So that way they feel like they're free, but they're still like protected from, you know, them escaping and hurting people. Uh, well, of course there is a total blackout in this town. So all the electricity goes out, which apparently is something they did not plan for at all. No, <laughs> like not even it's close. such a simple thing. <laughs> They're just like, what the fuck happened? Um, and uh, oh, I should mention uh, Donald Pleasance is the uh, the doctor at this asylum who has all these uh, grandiose ideas of you know not locking them up and whatnot. Whatnot. Um, Jack Palance plays one of the uh, super crazy guys. Um. So of course the electricity goes out. Like I said, almost like citywide, like blackout. And so they. A bunch of them escape, and they decide like they're gonna take their they're gonna take their uh, anger out on this doctor that they thought they have this weird notion because the new doctor shows uh, they have this weird notion that he killed the previous doctor that they like. To have his job, which is not even remotely true. They're crazy
1: people, so it's okay.
2: Yeah. Um. And then apparently, uh, the there's one of them the, on the hockey match, Like the year, or uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part of Three. When Jayden got Hockey Mask. So it was just kind of a weird coincidence that two movies around the same time, both the killers did Hockey Mask. But Friday thirteenth was the one that took off and, and really didn't Hello?
3: Hello? You're,
1: you're
2: Can you guys hear me? In,
3: uh, you're fading in and out. And Noah's gone. I'm 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 here but I'm kinda cutting in and out. So Oh now Brian's gone. <laughs> Oh, When you were listening to him, was it doing a weird thing where it was dragging him out like he was talking really slowly? <laughs> yeah, it's like somebody like was playing the tape back at slow speed. Yeah. Okay. So, is that I what thought, Brian I does I for this session? I thought he was doing that on purpose for a second. I was like, why is he talking like that? I don't know. It's uh, weird. Is he back? Uh, no, he was back and he dropped out again. Now he's back again. Oh. Brian?
2: Well, son of a bitch. Alright, so my internet took a weird dip. It did. Apparently I'm back now.
3: We were just talking, so what was going on is it sounded like you were talking like this when (laughs) you were describing (laughs)
2: things.
3: (laughs) That's kind of funny. Where did I cut off at? I don't know. Hello? I'm not sure. We're still here. Can you hear us?
2: Alright, now I can, yeah. I don't know. Uh, one of the killers dons a hockey mask at the beginning, which I thought was interesting because it came out the same year as Friday the 13th Part 3. Yeah. And then uh, one of the things I liked about this is apparently this town whenever it goes into a blackout the t- the entire town just immediately starts rioting and looting for no reason.
1: Well, that's what you do.
2: <laughs> that's how the killers are able to get like into stores and steal stuff. Is because they're already being looted by the town folk who's like, there's no electricity, fuck it, and just start stealing everything. I thought that's what Americans do when the
1: power goes out. It <laughs> never occurred to me. That was strange.
2: <laughs> that's so weird. Uh, but I enjoyed it. It was a, sort of a fun little 80s slasher that I hadn't seen before, so worth a watch.
1: I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember Martin Landau's performance being good. He's one of the crazy guys, which we're mm-hmm. not supposed to call crazy guys, probably.
2: very angry gentlemen
0: here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future
2: Uh, well since my internet's being shitty uh, that's where I was going to stop anyway I guess we should talk about what we're doing next week or next episode yeah we're going to be talking about Maniac Cop and Psycho Cop Yeah,
1: it's Killer Cop Week yeah it is yeah Uh,
2: We get Bruce Campbell as a bonus.
1: It's Bruce Campbell and Tom Atkins together for one of the movies, I believe.
3: So that should be fun.
2: Oh. That's right, I forgot.
3: (laughs) Basically, it's one uh, super, super cult classic movie and and that other one. (laughs) Well
1: don't uh don't don't go in your hand yet we'll discuss the movies in detail next week
0: please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater and now folks it's time to say good night we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded
3: in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment